Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at AntiochRaleigh.com. Well, good morning, Antioch Community Church. My name is Ben Wickle. I'm one of the pastors here. I do want to say, first of all, happy Mother's Day uh, and as well as congratulations to our uh, seniors. I also want to welcome those who are tuning in virtually. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for anyone here who's joining us for the first time. We are delighted to have you as our guest. Uh, if you know me, you know that I love to give free books when I preach that relate to the topic. So I have a couple books. The first one is called Secrets of the Secret Place, Keys to Igniting Your Personal Time with God. Do we have a mom in the house that wants to? Oh, you stood up first, Holly. Woo. The next book is called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, The Path to Spiritual Growth. Christianity Today calls it one of the 10 best books of the 20th century. I would agree. This is a life-changing book. Do we have one of our graduating seniors? Free book. You already have a copy? They all have it. All right, there you go. Awesome. Okay, so for for this year, we've been focusing a lot on our mission as a church, which is to make disciples. That's the, the passion of this church, is to be a disciple of Jesus, to make devoted disciples, and to help communicate even this process This journey of what it means to be a disciple, we created some months ago, we call it the D-cycle, that helps illustrate this journey of following Jesus. There we go, we got a graphic up there. It begins with, and there's always this resounding decision to say yes to Jesus. We've decided to follow Jesus. We spent some time this year looking at the second D, which is delivered, which includes all the areas of becoming free, experiencing spiritual wholeness. And then last week, Steve kicked off a new series for us called Disciplined, or the Spiritual Disciplines. What do we mean by spiritual disciplines? Disciples of Jesus will engage and structure their life around a handful of habits, spiritual exercises that help them grow like Jesus. Steve's preface last week, his sermon last week, stressed one thing. And so if you missed it, uh, I'm going to summarize in about a sentence the importance of last week's sermon. Spiritual disciplines are not about earning God's favor. It's not about earning God's acceptance. Our, our, Our value, our sense of worth was completely secured on the cross, the bloodshed of Jesus. Instead, the spiritual disciplines are about positioning us to receive this grace and his empowering presence. Now, before we go any further, and before we begin to dive into today's sermon, I I want to highlight what are they? What are some of the spiritual disciplines? What do we mean specifically? Now, here, here are some ones that we're probably most familiar with. There's prayer, and there's a whole myriad of ways that we pray There's worship, there's Bible study, meditating on the Word of God. 
Then there are a handful of disciplines that we maybe not like, such as fasting, silence, solitude, retreating, to spend time with the Father in solitude. Then there are some corporate disciplines, like service. There's the spiritual discipline of service. Shout out, who was here yesterday digging trenches? We had a handful of people doing that, all right. There's the spiritual discipline of confession, confessing our sins to one another. The spiritual discipline of giving. How about the spiritual discipline of pursuing community? There's the spiritual discipline of proclamation, proclaiming the gospel, acts of justice, acts of mercy. Altogether, these habits, these exercises position us to have God's grace flowing in our lives. I'll say that again. These habits, these spiritual exercises, they position us to have God's grace flowing through our lives. And so for this series, over the next several weeks, we are going to be highlighting one of those spiritual disciplines at a time. And the goal is not just for you to learn about them, but to have you activated and reoriented your life in a way that you are practicing those holy habits. Now today, through the help of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, I want to share a little bit with you about the why. Why? The what... The why behind the what. When we know the why, the power and the necessity, my hope is that it will stir a holy desire in you. This is not just for young Christians or those who are learning to follow Jesus, but the spiritual disciplines and being reminded of the why behind it is for us, it's for those of us who've been following Jesus for 10, 15, 20 plus years. We can get distracted with life. My purpose this morning is that you would leave here with the conviction of the absolute necessity and burning zealous fire to reorient your lives around what will actually help you become more like Jesus. So I want to give you three reasons, three reasons why the spiritual disciplines are so vital for your walk with Jesus. If you're taking notes, number one is this. The spiritual disciplines are the doorway. They're the gateway to intimacy with God. And what is more important? What is more important in you fulfilling your calling than intimacy with God? The spiritual disciplines, such as prayer, worship, God, uh, worshiping God, solitude, fasting, they position us to sit face to face with the Creator, where we abide in Him, His presence, there's communion. Intimacy with God is our number one priority. Let me define for you intimacy. What do I mean when we say intimacy? Intimacy with God is, it's it's encounters with Him where you hear His voice, you feel His love, you experience His presence, and you live in His pleasure. Do you believe this morning that that's what God wants for you? Do you believe this morning that you can actually experience union with God? Here's how the spiritual disciplines apply. Each spiritual discipline reveals uniquely a unique part of the heart of God. For instance, when we pray, we are experiencing a God who hears our prayers, who wants to speak back to us. When we open up God's word 
and we seek the understanding and the knowledge and the wisdom of God, we are getting access to the, 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 the mind of Christ. When we're fasting, we get to experience this desperation, this hunger, this dependence on God. When we're silent and choose to live in solitude, we get to experience the, the stillness, the rest, the tranquility. When we give to God, we get to know God as faithful provider. When we serve, the spiritual discipline of service, we experience humility. When we engage in community, the spiritual discipline of pursuing community, we get to experience the diversity and creativity of God. The spiritual disciplines are the doorways to the secret place. If you want to know the secret to the Christian walk, the secret is the secret place. Your intimacy with God will take you so much farther in life than your gifting, your, your intelligence, your ingenuity. Let me tell you a story about in Acts chapter 4, when the, the church was relatively young in Jerusalem, Peter and John had just healed a lame beggar, and it drew a crowd. They began to preach the gospel. Thousands decided to follow Jesus, and there were a group of people who did not like it. It was the Pharisees, and they began to trip. They began to get so upset that they arrested Peter and John, some of the disciples. They put him in prison, and they began to question, what's going on here? And it says in Peter, or it says in Acts 4, Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, answered. This is his response to the elders. Respected elders and leaders of the people. Listen, are we being put on trial today for doing an act of kindness by healing a frail, crippled man? Well then, you and everyone else in Israel should know it is by the power of the name of Jesus that the crippled man stands here today completely healed. You crucified Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but God raised him from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that the builders have rejected, and now he has become the cornerstone. There is no one else who has the power to save us, and there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation, the name of Jesus. Now look at this verse, this next verse. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished. And here's the last verse. Because they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Can you say that with me? They had been with Jesus. What was the defining characteristic of the disciples? It wasn't their education. It wasn't their, 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 their status. It was that they had been with Jesus. Let me tell you what my heart is for this church. It's not that we would grow and become some mega church. It's not that we would have these, these fancy programs. It's not that people would come in and feel good about themselves. It's really not about the sign, the name that's on the sign outside there. My heart is that when people see you guys, that they would, they would know that they have encountered Jesus. That's it. That's it. My question for us as a church is, are we willing to pursue a disciplined life around these holy habits in order to release the fragrance of heaven to a broken world? Intimacy with God 
The spiritual disciplines are the doorway to intimacy with God. Let me give you the second reason why we must pursue the spiritual disciplines. And it it flows out of the first one. Spiritual disciplines, they bear fruit that bring transformation. Spiritual disciplines, they bear the fruit that actually leads to transformation. And if you're not bearing fruit as a Christian, and you're not making an impact, and you're not making a difference, then you are not fulfilling your purpose on this life. John 15 puts it this way. Jesus is saying this. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do, what does it say? Nothing. Let me ask you a a series of questions that I want you to reflect on. How many of you want to have the Galatians 6 fruit in your life? How many of you want some more of God's love, love flowing through you? Yeah, want some love. How many of you want more joy? How about peace? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. If you are lacking any of these, could it be? Could it be because you are not abiding in the vine? Could it be that the spiritual disciplines are lacking in your life? It's amazing to me that I've had the opportunity to pastor and counsel a lot of people, and when, they, when I sit down on the other end of the table or on the other end of the phone call, and they're, they're sharing just, hey, I need more of this or this, I'm lacking this in my life, peace, love, joy. And I, I like to ask this simple question. It's not always the root of it, but it's a, it's a very important diagnostic question, and it goes something like this. So tell me, tell me about your time with Jesus. What does that look like? How often do you spend time with him? When's the last time you spend time with him? And it's amazing. Nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, when there is some lack of the fruit of the Spirit, usually there is some lack of engagement with the secret place. How many of you want to live a life that's full of wisdom? Abounding in wisdom. Who needs more discernment and understanding in your life? I know I do. Do you know that we have, according to the Bible, access to the omniscient, the omniscient God? 1 Corinthians 2 talks about how we have the mind of Christ. James talks about how if you lack wisdom, just ask. If we're lacking wisdom, could it be, I'm not saying it's the total reason, but could it be that we're not abiding in the vine? Could it be that our prayer life is is just waning a little bit? Could it be that our Bible intake has gone down a little bit? Well, if you want wisdom, I I like how one of the the students said, God has incredible office hours. That was brilliant. In fact, his schedule schedule for you has your name written on it 24 hours a day. He's waiting on you guys. He's waiting on us. How many of you want to affect change, make a difference in this world? 
I love how this, this younger generation is rising up and they have a passion to see this change and to see God's justice and righteousness established. You will not af- affect change or leave any legacy without some spiritual sweat. 1 Timothy 4, 7 puts it like this. Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise to the present life and also for the life to come. The word train there is where we get the word gym from. It means it's, it's implying some spiritual sweat. Where there's no discipline, there's no discipleship. I think a lot of us have this view of spiritual growth like the movie Matrix. Who's seen the movie Matrix? It's a, a bit dated now, but it's a, it's a fascinating movie about how artificial intelligence has taken over the world and the protagonist of the story, he's trying to defeat the bad guys and there's this scene where they're trying to train him to, to be able to be equipped to fight the bad guys. I don't know if you remember the scene and what do they do? They just kind of like just plug a wire into it, hit a switch and within seconds, like he's able to just be fly and do, do jujitsu and handle M16s and he's just incredible, just like that, Right? I think sometimes we view our spiritual formation like that, or at least we want to. Just plug in a wire, hit the switch, microwavable, instant access, easy believism, spiritual growth. I'm here to tell you it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. I've talked to many of you, and I share with you the dreams that you have for the Lord, for ministry, for family. But if you want to make a difference in this life, you have to sow in the Spirit. Now, I'm going to say this next comment, and it might step on a few toes, but it was proven true because of the verse I just read. God is not responsible for your potential. He's not responsible for your potential. You can have as much of God and His transforming presence in your life as you want. The non-religious world, they get this. Take the, one of the greatest golfers, Tiger Woods. We, we acknowledge the, all the accomplishments he has. And I'm sure there is definitely some natural skill there. But when Tiger Woods was young, he once refused to leave a practice hole until a dozen of his drives rested on a white towel on a distant green. Ernest Hemingway a famous writer, was characterized by obsessive perfectionism as he labored to develop compact style, spending hours polishing a sentence or searching just for a few right words. It is a a fact that he rewrote the conclusion to A Farewell to Arms 17 times before he got it right. Leonardo da Vinci, we wonder at the anatomical perfection, but little of us know that he would draw a hand, a single hand, a thousand times before he thought it was right. Mozart choked up 3,500 hours of practice, check this out, before his sixth birthday. And of course, we have Jesus, God in the flesh, devoting hours to the secret place, praying, choosing solitude, fasting, having the scriptures be a part of his lifestyle, serving the poor. His whole life was a demonstration of spiritual discipline. Are you willing to train for godliness, because the spiritual disciplines bring fruit 
that bear transformation. They bear fruit that bring transformation. Lastly, number three. So we have intimacy. It's about intimacy. It's about fruit that changes us. Lastly, though, spiritual disciplines, it's about becoming overcomers. It's about conflict. The Bible is, is really clear on it. We've preached about how we are in a cosmic warfare. And before we became Christians, we were prisoners of war. And when we decided to follow Jesus, got saved, we were immediately enlisted into the Lord's army. And so for the past 14 months, I, I've sat across tables, had phone calls with Christians, and, and myself included, uh, as a part of this, have, have seen and witnessed the woundingness of Christians, being taken prisoner or captive to fear, subscribing to all sorts of perverted forms of justice or sexuality, Christians getting disappointed or offended. The past 14 months have been a rude awakening that we've all witnessed and experienced, there's been a, an attack on our faith and spirituality, and we can talk all we want about why it happened and the theories, but the real question we need to answer is, how do we respond as a church, but also individually? When spiritual attack comes, what do you do, what do you do to bring yourself to peace? Who or what do you turn to in times of tribal, trial? What do you fight with when the sinful flesh or the dark forces attack. Do you remember when Jesus was in the wilderness? He was praying and fasting 40 days, led by the Spirit. He's getting tempted, not just by a demon, but by Satan himself, the accuser. And how did Jesus respond with each one of those temptations? What does it say? The Word of God. As it is written, as it is written, when Jesus responded, when he was scratched or attacked, he bled. What came out, when he was squeezed, what came out was the word of God. When you're struggling with insecurity and you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see and you're feeling tempted to jump into some form of self-hatred, have you, do you have the word of God hidden in your heart that can combat that lie that says you are faithfully and wonderfully made. When you're struggling with shame because of the way you treated someone, how do you combat that lie? Have you hidden the word of God in your heart that says that you have been justified with Christ just if you have never sinned? When you're succumbing to anxiety and finances are not adding up, how do you combat that lie? Do you have the word of God deeply hidden in your heart that says that God will supply all of your needs? When you're gripped with fear and health issues begin to surface that are out of your control, have you hidden in your heart the word that says, indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance? When you're rejected by a loved one, do you have the revelation that the Bible, of the Bible where it says that you are a beloved child of God? Ephesians 6 talks about what the word of God is. It's the sword of the spirit. To continue that analogy, the more word of God that you have, the bigger your sword is. And the problem that a lot of us have is that we're trying to take the gates of hell with pocket knives. Spiritual disciplines train us to overcome. Do you remember the story when the disciples could not cast out 
the demon, the, the demon, there, there was a demon that was possessing, sadly, a boy, and they tried to cast him out, and they couldn't do it. And they were dismayed. They came to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, can you do it? And of course he did it. And they, they, afterwards, they, they took Jesus aside and said, hey, help us understand what, what happened here. And Jesus says, well, you little faith. But then he reveals something in that line. He says, well, this kind only comes out by, what does it say? Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. There are some struggles some struggles, there are some trials, there are some strongholds, there are, there are some hills that you're going to have to take that are going to require you to elevate to prayer and fasting. Spiritual disciplines train us to win. What about the spiritual discipline of confessing your sins to one another? How does that deal with becoming an overcomer? James talks about it. Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Now, our, our Catholic friends, they, they're, they're big on confession, and the Protestants, we just kind of thrown it all out. But I think we might have thrown the baby out with the bathwater, and we, we love this, this vertical. And yes, of course, we first confess our sins vertically, but there's something in the Word of God that's encouraging us to confess horizontally. What if, again, I'm not explaining all the issues, but what if some of the areas that need healing in your life, physical or spiritual healing, they're not getting healed because you're not coming in the light with another brother or sister. What about the spiritual discipline of pursuing community with one another? I get it. Christians are funny and they're hypocritical and we just get on each other's nerves sometimes and there's the temptation where you just wanna, I just wanna do me and Jesus thing. Has anyone ever been in the season where it's like, just me and Jesus, that's fine. I don't like the church. I don't like the church. All right? I've been there. We've all been there. Look at this verse. Galatians 6, 2 says, bear one another's burdens so that you fulfill the law of Christ. What if some of the burdens in your life can only be graciously lifted off you through community, through the community of saints? How about this one? Last spiritual discipline, how it relates to overcoming Becoming overcomers. This spiritual discipline, in my experience, is the most neglected spiritual discipline within the church, church in the West, America. Yet, is, in my opinion, I propose to you, it is the most lethal weapon of our faith. It's so powerful that I think the devil will actually let you do other, the other disciplines. Go, you know, go pray, go worship, go have your quiet times, go fast, be by yourself, go, go do mercy, go, go do... Go, Care for the poor. But the moment that you begin to proclaim the gospel, you actually start preaching the kingdom of God with words. Something happens in the culture. You've seen it, right? The moment. That's that one discipline. If I confess you, it's the one discipline. It's like, ugh. if the enemy can't stop me from being saved, he just wants to keep me silent. I, I will propose to you that we would actually hasten not just the coming of the Lord, but the end time revival that we're all, we're all asking, Lord, bring in a billion souls in the harvest. Lord, we, if there's anything that saves this country, it's a revival, it's a great awakening, right? We would hasten that if we just began to preach the gospel, share our testimony, share our testimony, the discipline of proclaiming the gospel. The spiritual disciplines train us to win our battles. So let's recap. The three reasons why I gave. What's number one? Spiritual disciplines. 
They lead to intimacy. Our greatest calling, our greatest pursuit. We won't go anything, we won't go anywhere in life without intimacy with Jesus. Number two, spiritual disciplines, they bear the fruit. That's out of the, out of the overflow of intimacy, they bear fruit that actually leads to change. Thirdly, what's the last one? Spiritual disciplines. Yes, they lead us, they train us for godliness, to be overcomers, to be overcomers. I want to end with a couple closing remarks. Now, my hope and prayer is that that everyone feels inspired, but I get it. Some of you may be going, why are you putting that on me? (laughs) I'm I'm feeling heavy. That's not my burden. That's not my my intention. Remember last week, this has nothing, nothing to do with your value. This has everything to do with who you want to be. Your value was secure, set secure in the cross. the, The blood of Jesus was shed. You are so loved by God. This is about responding to that. And I get it. I got three kids, work, school. I know what it's like to stay up late. You got work. You have a long day. You get up early in the morning because you, you, you set the alarm. You're like, okay, I'm going to spend time with God. You finally you go downstairs. You get your coffee. You sit on the couch. You, okay, it's fine. Peaceful. You sit down. You start feeling the presence of God. You start hearing this voice. And then you recognize that voice is not the Holy Spirit. It sounds like it's coming down from the bathroom. And you just hear, come wipe me. The Holy Spirit is gone. No! I'm actually kidding. The Spirit of God is still there. Because that's how gracious God is. He's so because you can walk with him even. All right, I'm just gonna pray in the spirit on my way as I go clean up this. I mean that that's 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 what it is. There's grace. Spiritual disciplines. It's really about a gentle God, yet earnestly he's inviting us to a lifestyle of intimacy, growth, and victory. I'll make another point here. In order to see this lasting change, it's going to take some relational accountability. It's going to take, outside of this meeting right here, you walking with one, two, three other brothers or sisters. We call them discipleship groups. We call them life groups. Unless you're, I don't know, Lou Engel, and you can just fast 40 days for 10 times a year. I don't know how he does it. Unless you have some incredible self-discipline, most of us need, most of us normal folks, we need people to walk with. I'll end by saying this. What would it look like if every member of this church, not just the leaders or the elders or the life group folks, but like if all of us, there's roughly 150 folks that, are, that come regularly throughout life groups and Sunday mornings, but what if all of us said, we, let's commit to a lifestyle of prayer, fasting, the word of God, service, confession, proclamation that we just reoriented our lives around those holy habits could you see could you envision could you imagine the impact it would have on on your life and on this community and then on the greater community can you envision that well for the next several weeks we're going to be talking about those disciplines and I want to invite you to come back those weeks Come hungry. Find, a, find, a, find someone in your life group to say, hey, will you commit with me? 
Let's walk together. I want to experience solitude together. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to experience silence. I want to experience confession. Bring someone, come back, and we're going to, over the next several weeks, become a spiritually disciplined church. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. I'm going to close this in prayer and invite our ministry team to come up as well. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that everything, everything's been secure. All of our, the favor that we have with you, the acceptance, it's eternally secure because of the blood of Jesus. And Lord, you're inviting us to go deeper, to become spiritually mature, spiritually disciplined, flowing with intimacy, flowing with the presence of God, Lord. We want to say yes to that. We want our lives to be filled with a robust spirituality. Lord, we want to position ourselves, Lord, this season to hear from you, to receive your empowering presence, God. Thank you, Jesus.